Okay, good afternoon, everyone. This is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, week number four recap. We did the AFC, and we're on to the NFC here. Wiz, uh, talking about divisions, and uh, I'm going to lead us off with the (laughs) NFC East. Wow, what a start to the season. Uh, We talked a little bit about it the other day. Does it get any worse than this right now in football? Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's tough to look at. I mean, if you're a team in the NFC East, you know, my advice is to go out there and try and get a tie. I mean, forget about winning the game. Just just tie because you, you have to feel there's probably at least a 75 80% chance the other three teams are going to lose. I mean, that tie against the Bengals by the Eagles a couple of weeks ago looked laughable. They're, in, they're first in the division right now because of that tie. So the, the division is laughable. Go ahead, have at it. Give us, give us some insights. Tell me something uh, that uh, you know, exciting or interesting about these teams. You, you, I'm, I'm not sure I can actually. You know, I really, I really looked hard at this division. It, it, the question was was asked with that intent uh, that it, it's almost impossible. But, it, it, it really uh, have at it. Yeah, it, it's really difficult. I, I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing about. I think the giant defense has surprised me uh, to start this season. So. The Giants have, have hung in on a couple of games. I know the Bear offense is not great. We kind of got a repeat performance this past week of what we saw last year a little bit with the Ram offense kind of going into hiding. But the Giant defense has really stayed competitive to start this season. I've been pleasantly surprised by that. They got to get some consistency on offense. Freeman looked a little bit better this week than he did last week, but it's not a good line. Mistakes and turnovers, it's it's problematic. You know, I'm starting to become less comfortable even owning someone like uh, Darius Slayton just because of the inconsistencies. So not a great situation there. You know, you talked about Washington and, 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 uh, and uh, Haskins, who ended up having an okay game uh, in the garbage time. But, you know, I think you've alluded to this, and, you know, potentially we will see a changing of the guard. I think the pleasant thing here is, you know, my partner Jim in one of my leagues was freaking out in week one when Peyton Barber got 19 carries for 24 yards, and what's Antonio Gibson doing? But Antonio Gibson is getting more comfortable in this offense, and I think if you drafted him or you picked him up early because, you know, your league wasn't as deep and didn't know the player, which is understandable. You've got to have a little bit more confidence in terms of, I I think he's going to be exciting to own as the season wears on. He'll make big plays. He's getting involved in the passing game. This this week he had over 80 yards receiving. So I, I like what I see there. For the Eagles, as you mentioned, that was a huge win actually on, on, on Sunday night. And, you know, Wentz, I know he, it's not pretty or sexy. He's He's constantly being forced, once again, to do it without a lot of offensive guys that he's used to having in there. No Deshaun Jackson, no no, um, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Goddard, um, you know, and they're just getting by here. You know, their defense is playing okay right now, but, you know, the Eagles... I think they're going to have to lean on on, on on Miles Sanders a lot more. I'm surprised what's happened with Boston Scott. I expected this player to be much better this year, but he looks like he's lost a little ground. They're sprinkling Corey, Corey Clement right now, so a little bit concerned here. Greg Ward continues to be the number one option in the passing game right now. And Zach Ertz, you know, you mentioned Waller, but Zach Ertz hasn't seemed right to me this year. And, you know, maybe it was a part of the game plan where the Niners really took the player out. But I don't know. He's Even in games when Goddard has been healthy, he's kind of played second fiddle to that. So 
you've mentioned it, but Waller is definitely next after Kittle and and uh, Travis Kelsey. And the Cowboys, that defense just sucks. It's terrible. Mike Mike McCarthy, Mike Nolan, these are experienced guys. The tackling, you mentioned it, OBJ at the end of the game, just ridiculous stuff. They've got to get back to playing better. I just read where they lost their center now. Looney's hurt. He's going to be out the next two to three weeks. So this offensive line is definitely beaten down. The one thing you can count on is, is, is the team having to come back and pass a lot. So from a fantasy perspective, the offense is great to own Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb. As you you mentioned that this guy was going to be a big part of this passing offense. Michael Gallup seems to be the odd man out as a result of this. A big game by Cooper this week. But, yeah, it's a passing game that you want to be an owner in. Ezekiel Elliott, a little bit disappointing, though, I have to say. Like, you know, he's just kind of having so-so games. That explosive game that we see from him normally is just not there. Yeah, there's no... Uh... Yeah, there's been some there's some interesting things in that division, and uh, even though you know we laugh about how um, how how bad the division is record wise and how bad they played, look, we're talking about fantasy football, so there's some stuff to get to. Uh, you, you didn't really get um, into McLaurin. I know he had a he had a he had a big game. I mean, how, how, where do you view that player in particular? Where? He's just like an elite talent, but he's just playing on a team with a quarterback. I mean, what's your level of trust in a player like Darren Clawen? Yeah, I owned him last year in a couple of leagues, and um, when Case Keenum played, I was really excited with McLaurin. And then once once Haskins came in, it was just a little bit more inconsistent. I don't know that that would get much better with Kyle Allen, quite frankly. I probably feel most comfortable if Alex Smith walked onto the field, which by itself is a miracle. Um, feet just in general given given what he's come back from but I don't I don't think you'll be looking at anything different in terms of consistency level I, I know I know he's a talented player but I don't trust the guys that are throwing him the football so as an owner yes I may relish in the fact that he had a really good game this week and that did surprise me especially came coming into the game questionable I, I just again I'm I'm not confident because of the quarterback play that he's going to get whether it's Haskins or Allen I'm just going to just mention a couple of quick players. You you loved Boston, Scott. I mean, you you had as much equity as you possibly get on the player, and 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 more importantly, the Eagles were high on the player. You know, it's it's not too big of a sample size. Things can change. But what do you make of his basic? you know, obscurity in the Eagles offense to this point. Yeah, again, I'd have to look closer at, at game films because we're not watching games the same way we normally do. I don't know if it's been missed assignments or just not, but they're just, you know, even in the game where Miles Sanders wasn't there, he wasn't that impactful. Yeah, and right now I, I look completely wrong on the player, you know, because last year he was such a big part of what they did at the end of the season, especially in that passing game. You know, you've mentioned this before about players. Sometimes it's confidence, right? Like it's like hitting a putt in golf or making a free throw and you lose that confidence. You're missing assignments. Your head is somewhere else. I don't know the dynamic there. I know what the player did last year. And, and we, we talked about, yes, that the player was going to be a part of this offense, especially you look at what Green Bay did last night with their running backs in the passing game when they're receivers were kind of compromised. And you would think the same thing would happen with the Eagles, but it's just not been the case. So, I would yeah, love. I mean, the, the, the 
thing that concerns me about 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 you know Boston Scott is like I, I get like they're gonna ride Miles Sanders. He's their complete one, and it's not that Boston Scott Boston Scott's a one A or one B or anything. Like as far as the Eagles are concerned, Miles Sanders is their guy. But when you're out Goddard and you're out Alshon Jeffrey and you're out Deshaun Jackson and you're basically down to Greg Ward and rookies and other guys that you don't have much confidence in, why are you not playing Miles Sanders and Boston Scott at the same time, especially when Boston Scott is really well at taking those swing passes or running routes and can make big plays out of just catching the ball a few yards off the line of scrimmage. So I'm not I'm not understanding that or what's going on with that, but it's very, very disappointing, um, you know, what's going on with that. Uh, as far as the Cowboys, we don't need to keep laughing about how bad their defense is. But I am loving me some C.D. Lamb. Oh, my goodness, do I love that player. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, I predicted he would lead the Cowboys receivers in all uh, fantasy categories. And I think with every game, you see that confidence, not in C.D. Lamb, because he has amazing amount of confidence for a rookie, but more importantly, the confidence that Dak Prescott is showing in C.D. Lamb. And uh, that's only going to get stronger and stronger. And uh, soon enough, C.D. Lamb will be the top dog <clears throat> as far as receivers go in Dallas. Uh, let me uh, start off with the NFC North. Uh, let me go to the NFC North where the Vikings got their first one of the season. I'm not sure if it's because they're playing any better or because their opponent was the Texans. Um, so that was um, – that 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 was uh, something we'll have to w- wait and see. But you know, look, Jefferson looked like he had a he, he's starting to play with more confidence, and and uh, and Kirk Cousins is having confidence in the player. It just looks like it's a it's a three man. That's it. It's like it's Cook, Thielen, and um, and Jefferson. There's not much contributions from the other players. We I've been high on Irv Smith, and Kyle Rudolph's been pretty quiet, and not much else to say about the Vikings. We'll see how that goes. The Lions do what they do best. They get off to a two-touchdown lead, and then they go and lose the game. Um, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. A coach who prides himself on being a defensive coach and stopping other teams, they, they really have difficulty stopping anybody. I am lost as why they're having Adrian Peterson as their lead guy. You throw of a young guy who drafted a few years ago, another rookie who you drafted early this past year, and they're now second and third on the depth chart behind Adrian Peterson. I don't really get that. Um, Kenny Galladay back. Looks like he hasn't missed a beat after the bye week. I expect him to maybe be a top three to five fantasy receiver the rest of the year. Um, the Bears, I don't really think it matters. Nick Foles or Trubisky, I don't have any confidence in either of those players. If you have Allen Robinson, be thankful for the last garbage time drive where he basically got all of his fantasy points. Um, Montgomery's been okay. He's not great. He's he's better than last year, but he's been okay. Not much confidence in any of those players. I don't know what's happened to Anthony Miller. He finished so strongly. You figured that would carry over. Uh, in some ways, Mooney's passing him on the depth chart. Maybe not, but there's just not consistency except Allen Robinson to start any of those guys. And Green Bay has it going on. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, when they play a tougher defensive opponent, so, you know, some, some of these teams so far, um, 
have proven that their defense is not really strong at all. But look, all Green Bay can do is play the opponents that they have in front of them. So you have to give them a world of credit. I thought it would be a terrible season for Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Talking about being wrong, I was completely wrong on that one. We'll see how that one shakes out. But uh, I don't know, anything you want to add about the formerly the black and blue division, the NFC North? Well, the the two two things to keep in mind here. Uh, First off, the – Green Bay and Detroit will be off this week, so Detroit's got a lot to work on for sure. I thought Swift actually made a couple of big plays in this game, so to your point, I wonder if they start to integrate him a little bit more into this offense. He made a nice touchdown catch uh, you know, early on in this game. Yeah, I'm a little bit puzzled at the running back usage as well, but... I'll tell you. I know, but I'm saying if they weren't down 35 to 14, would he have been in the game? Yeah, no, <laughs> That's I, the thing. no. I, like, I, is the player going to be in the game when they're up or down by three points or seven points? Uh, yeah. Peterson is not going to catch the ball, and that's not his forte, and he doesn't do that really well. So Swift is going to be in there day then. But you don't take a, 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 a you know a first round draft pick to use him as a game script player in the fourth quarter or third quarter when you're down by two or three touchdowns. So I don't know. Do you think that? The usage of those players are going to flip flop. I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see some movement again. We know we had no preseason, so it's a little bit different measure this year. Not, not to say that's the same case for someone like Carry On Johnson. No, I know. I get it. Look, look. I think I think Matt Patricia is a terrible football coach. I listened to an interview him post game. He sounded like he had given up. If you if you go and listen to his post game interview, he looked lost. Just like I hated Bill O'Brien as a play caller, and I didn't like him as a head coach, and I didn't like as a GM, these are two rotten apples off the Belichick tree, both of these guys. <laughs> so, uh, so, I wouldn't disagree. You had, you so I think I, I, I no, but I think I think Matt Patricia is 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 a dead man walking, and he's got to change this quickly, or he is out the door. He was blaming, believe it, when he took over a team. By the way, that won nine games before he took over. He was blaming the previous quote-unquote, administration, Jim Caldwell's coaching about the situation that he was handed. This guy is full of it. He can take him and his engineering degree and break that pencil. I am sick of Matt Patricia's act. Absolutely yeah. sick of it. He's a lousy head coach. Yeah. You got me fired up now. Um, so fired up. Uh, Green Bay, you know, we both mentioned Robert Tanyan. You know, you, you took the lead. Yeah, we had him as, uh, both had him as our sleeper tight end. And he wasn't even ranked. I looked at one of these sites, um, and they had him ranked 25th this week. And I said he may finish inside the top 10. He may have finished uh, outside of Kittle. He probably was not the second best tight, yeah. fantasy tight end this year. I, 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 I would say he was number two. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm between him and Kittle, so I'm going to think quick. Kittle had 183, 15. That's so, the only kind of insight you get is from this podcast. Am I right? Correct. So Kittle had 40-odd points uh, in, in a PPR league, and Tanyan caught, I'm guessing he caught like five balls. By the way, I, I also on the, you know, we, talk about, uh, we talked about this yesterday with the prop bets. 39 and a half was the yardage on that guy. That was over in the first quarter, too. I mean, just, just great stuff. Um, yeah, Tanya was uh, six for ninety-eight and three. So six, nine, fifteen. Yeah, thir- so he would have had 30, uh, 33 points in a PPR league. That's pretty. Look, he was very impressive. And look what they did without their receiving core. I know Devontae Adams was a little pissed about not playing, but he gets to rest another week, and this team is going to come back and be ready to go. So. 
Yeah, I, I, they look like there's nobody stopping this team in this division. Um, I'm glad to see Minnesota got got a win. Hopefully they can build upon that. Um, you had to like if you went out there and got Jefferson and he came back again in week two. So, you know, two weapons now. It helps out Adam Thielen. I would like to see them integrate the tight end into the offense a little bit more. And Dalvin Cook looked great. But again, the Texans are so bad at the moment, it's not even funny. So, And the Bears, this is another coach that I think needs to go. Matt Nagy. I don't, you know, I know he was kind of in the in the Andy Reid camp, but I don't know if he watched game script of he should have went over when he was sitting home during COVID at the beginning of this whole epidemic and watching game film from the beginning of last year, from the, through last year, he should have seen how bad his play calling was last year and it might have gotten worse. It's not good. It's not, and again, it destroys this defense, which is a good defense, because they can't sustain sustain any drives. It's just a it's a disaster to watch this team. So yeah, I don't like anything I see about the Bears. So let's let's move on to the uh, to the South. And uh, Mr. Brady seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable, uh, albeit you know he's got Chris Godwin out and Mike Evans essentially on one leg. He's lost OJ Howard. Gronk is a shell of himself. Ronald Jones looked great, but. You know, Captain America threw five touchdown passes on Sunday. They overcame a 24-7 deficit. A little bit of that controversy early in the year where he caught some flack from from uh, from his coach. But, you know, look, in all fairness, Brady made a bad throw in that pick six. It was a lousy throw. He's learning these players. He didn't have the benefit of the same camp, and I think this team will continue to progress. The defense is really, really tremendous on this team, uh, and I know we talked about that preseason. New Orleans seemed to get the monkey out of his uh, off its back a little bit this week. Uh, I thought Drew Brees looked a little bit better. They're going to get Mike Thomas back soon, so maybe not reason to fear. I think the team to be most excited about in this division actually is the Carolina Panthers because they've surprised the hell out of me. Uh, Really on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. Teddy Bridgewater has played terrific. Mike Davis has been extremely impressive, uh, subbing in for, for McCaffrey. The passing game is dynamic. You know, I think Robbie Henderson has really surpassed what everybody expected from that player. Uh, and they're sprinkling in more of, of, of both, you know, DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel as well. But I, I really like the way this offense is playing. And the Atlanta Falcons, like, I think the clock is, is run out on, on, on Dan Quinn. I wouldn't be surprised surprised to hear this week that he was out of a job and I I know they lost guys for injury this week especially on defense they're hurting but I don't know I, I it's it's very clear that they're not coming back from those two comeback so those two comebacks that they saw against them in week two and three and just a complete letdown yesterday so it's time to rebuild and refigure how you're going to do things in Atlanta from uh, this point forward yeah so what do you what do you how, how do you how do you guide people who have Julio Jones at this point? I mean, you know, do you would you say you know, cut your losses? I'm not saying drop the player, but um, uh, would you say cut your losses and see if you can get any value for the player? Is it at the point where you got to just kind of say, okay, you know, it's a, it was it was a, it, it, it wasn't prudent to get the player, but you know, I'm just gonna have to play, play him when he's out there and hope he makes it through the game. What, what do you do? Um, what do you do if you drafted Julio Jones and now you find yourself through week four in this situation? So this is going to be a very biased opinion because you know how I feel about the player. You know how I feel about the player coming into the season. Uh, in one of my leagues, my partner Connor has a sick fascination with this player. So I do own him in one league. The good thing is that we have a very, very deep 
roster of of receivers. So I would love nothing more than to move this player, or he can sit on my IR list as long as can be, um, which is where he's sitting right now. I have no. He's an extremely inconsistent player. Like I said, preseason he'll win you two or three games in a year. Otherwise, he's pedestrian. You know, he doesn't have a lot of big games. He's not a factor around in the red zone. So if you can get something by someone that's fascinated with Julio Jones, be my guest and trade the player. You just, I don't want, you know, he's older now. He's breaking down and he was inconsistent to start. So for me, if you can get something for the player, you go ahead and do that. Yeah, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to really add much to the thoughts on the division, uh, with, with the exception of one thing. You, you mentioned Robbie Anderson, and I am going to have a new draft philosophy for 2021. It's very simple. Any player who, in one way, shape, or form, gets rid of Adam Gase, whether the Adam Gase used to coach the player and now Adam Gase doesn't coach the player on that existing team or if the player leaves the team that Adam Gase Adam Gase coached that's who I'm I, th- those guys I'm going to be drafting the following season this sample size is getting bigger and and it's becoming more prominent by the second so that's a, that's one to think of, you know I keep an eye on if any jets you know go to a different team next year I will be drafting them including Le'Veon Bell uh, <laughs> let, let me say one thing about the if I was in the uh, looks like a different player. Kenyon Drake, uh, Devontae Parker, nothing when Adam Gage is there. He goes and does Devontae Parker looks like an absolute beast. I mean, this sample size can go on and on. And uh, I'm just saying, if I see any Jets go to another team next year, I'm going to be drafting because I just think the room for growth and potential uh, of fantasy value is immense getting, getting away from him. Yeah, Adam Gase needs to go. He needs to be the next coach to go. If I was a Jet fan, I'd sign petitions. I'd, I'd go to Florham Park, New Jersey. I'd, I'd be waving a sign out there to get rid of this guy. He is a very odd duck. He's a terrible head coach. I don't know. I don't know why he was anointed this. You know, he had the benefit of oh, he was Peyton Manning's coach. Well, who do you think ran that show? Adam Gase is a complete dunce, and he needs to go. Let's go. Uh, let's go to uh, probably the best division in in football, top to bottom, um, the the NFC West, where you have everybody is above average to good. Um, you know, the Seahawks are just playing incredible. Well, the Seahawks have decided to let Russ Wilson cook. I will never play against the Seahawks or put Russell Wilson on any list. It doesn't matter if they're playing in 20-degree weather or 120-degree weather. It's just, at this point, an unstoppable offense, and I'm not getting in the way of that. There's really nothing uh, to be said. I mean, he's bringing all of those guys along, you know, with uh, Metcalf and uh, – and Lockett, uh, you know, Olsen's getting sprinkled in there, Carson. I mean, just, you know, every everyone, everything is working perfectly uh, for the Seahawks. And your prediction of MVP right now after four games, it looks like probably a two-man race at this point between him and Josh Allen. So looking good with that one. Uh, I had a good idea on the Rams. I thought last year too many people were on the bandwagon. I thought this year too many people were off the bandwagon. Um, looks like their offensive line is still playing, is is continuing to play a little better. Um, I'm not sure I trust 
Jared Goff on a week-to-week basis. I hope he's not your number one fantasy quarterback. Hopefully you have him in there and unable to spot start him. Um, some of these players, like I know Cooper Cup had a 55-yard touchdown in the last couple of minutes of the game, but before that he was like 3 for 17. Higby, Woods, <clears throat> I mean, Woods has been the most consistent. But, you know, they're, they're sprinkling Jefferson. They're sprinkling in um, Josh Reynolds as well. The running back situation, I mean, it looked like a prime spot for Henderson. I had Malcolm Brown. I thought he'd be playing a lot in this game as my one of my sleepers at the position. He played a lot. He played, I think he, I think he played a lot more than Henderson actually did in the game. He didn't really do a lot with his opportunities. It looked like the Rams had zero ability of sustaining drive, so there's still that inconsistency. The defense looks a little bit better for the Rams. Um, you know, in Arizona, you're going to get with Arizona. Um, this kind of thing where they could go on the road and beat the 49ers and then they lose at home to the Lions then they play another clunker against Carolina a young team like that with a young quarterback that's the kind of games that are going to happen with Arizona you just never quite sure um you know which of the weeks to start those guys I know Hopkins was banged up he was very very quiet so inconsistency from Arizona, you kind of expect that. And then the 49ers, my goodness, I mean, they need these guys back. They need Kittle to get back on the field, Debo return, they need him, and they need Mostert. Those are their three best players, Kittle, Mostert, and Debo Samuel. They haven't had those three guys on the field for the entire game yet this year. Maybe this upcoming week, Mostert looks like he may practice on Wednesday and play. They need those three players. Their defense isn't the same. Uh, losing at home against a an Eagles team who's also injury riddled uh, was not good. So a lot of inconsistency from some of those teams, but not from the Seahawks. They are rolling. So anything you wanted to add to that division? Yeah, you know, I was concerned in this matchup uh, with with uh, Murray um, this week, and 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 I was, you know, I think I think a hundred percent was not the case for for, for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, uh, Kenyon Drake did get hurt in this game. Chase Edmonds, if you own him, and then you're in a PPR league, um, he's doing what Boston Scott was doing last year for Arizona. So in these bye weeks coming up, if you're if you're if you're an Edmonds owner, you can feel comfortable. He's part of the game plan. He's not just a second. He, he is in there a lot more than than anybody would have anticipated. So that's just one thing I wanted to kind of mention. You know, I got Gar- Jared Goff in just one league, and. You know, we were forced to start him this past week in that league, and uh, because no Roethlisberger, we got lucky that we got a touchdown out of him late in the game. I, I just, I, I don't, you know, I know they had a good offensive showing after being down a lot against the Buffalo Bills, but it's just too inconsistent for me to, to want any part of. There, there are more interesting guys out there, as far as I'm concerned, than I, I wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be remiss to say uh, I, I would happy to be seeing that player off my roster. Um, yeah, really excited about the Russell Wilson stuff, you know, for certain. And and San Francisco, as you mentioned, you know, let me ask you this, though, was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I know they didn't finish the season particularly strong passing the football last year. You know, they really leaned on that, um, on that uh, rushing game. Would you, I, I really think with Ayuk, Samuel, we saw what Kittle did, just a supreme effort on, on Sunday night. 
do you think they're up to the task to opening this offense a little bit more? Jimmy G comes back healthy. Can they can they put some points on the board and do it with more demonstrative offensive weapons that's just not solely leaning on the running game because they, they really have some unique talents here? Yeah, I think they really want to play that ground and pound style. And then when they have you softened up, they want to do the reverse jet sweep, the Debo. They want to... Sp- they want to blitzkrieg you down the scene with George Kittle for a, for a big play. I mean, th- everything runs off that ground and pound. So McKinnon's a good player, but he's more of a finesse player. He's not that type of player, and they don't want him to be that type of player, especially with Coleman out and Mostert out. So if you see Mostert back in there, I think so. I think yes, but they're just never going to be a drop-back team, throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. Uh, I, I don't think that's what they want to do, and I don't think they'll be effective. But they need Mostert inside the tackle to be able to ground and pound them. Debo is a physical, physical player. He wants to punish defenses on those jet sweeps and, and little slants. And then they want to you know, punish you with their elite tight end. Um, so they have to have all those piece, you know, pieces in place to do that. I just wanted to mention one quick thing. <clears throat> that the Thursday game, Tampa Bay's playing on Thursday, and all four of their receivers, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are either legit questionable or on the wrong side of questionable going into this Thursday game. And you talk about a bad timing for a Thursday game. You got a, you know, a 40, 40 plus 40 year old quarterback playing on three days rest without maybe two or three or all four of his weapons. Uh, is that something you're going to be really looking out for uh, these next couple of days with those Tampa receivers? I, I want to, It's Tuesday, so this I'm not going to be that worried. If, if tomorrow this is the same case, I, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But you know how much I hate Thursday night football, and I, and I really do. I, I wish that we could see football every night of the week, but it's just not physically possible. And I think I wonder what the NFL is doing here, taking some inventory. Now, this is in, in four weeks we've had two times we've had two Monday night games. I really love the two Monday night game situation. And I, you know, the NFL, I know they, they want to be, you know, very visible, but the Thursday night quality of play, players bouncing back, I really hate it. I really hope officials in the NFL office are kind of watching and looking at what's going on. I, I haven't looked at the ratings, so I really don't know. They certainly had a marquee matchup, uh, especially the first one. But, you know, I hate Thursday night football, so I'm going to be, this is one of those games where, you know, you, you wonder what the over-under is going to be. There's going to be some concerns here. You're already playing a, a, a team that's not, you know, an offensive powerhouse in the Chicago Bears. So there is some worry there. I've actually, I'm a Tom Brady owner in one league, and I've actually taken a look at to see if there's some other options out there just in case I decide to pull the plug on starting Tom Brady on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're playing at Chicago. They're a fairly good defense. The wide receivers are banged up. Then you got to worry about Brady on three days rest. I don't know, with the college football season being in such flux and, 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 and not as many games and certainly not until November, is it going to be, why didn't they just move at least for Friday to give these players an extra day of rest? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's so wide open. You don't got to worry about anything, really, fans or anything else. Why not give the players at least an extra day? I 
mean, I, I think a case could be made for Saturday, but like if you want to say, well, college football is back, even in some capacity, we're going to stay away from Saturdays. Why not at least move it to Friday? You know how important an extra day is to these players? I, I'm just not understanding the stubbornness of the NFL in this regard. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and it, and it compromises, the, it compromises the, the product, and I think, you know, it puts a bad taste in players' mouths, right? Like, you know, and I'm... Again, I, I hate it. I, I, I have been vocal, vocally against this for a, a significant amount of time, and I'm going to continue to beat that drum. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the NBA where a guy gets a day's rest and they're playing 82 games. You're playing 16 games. Every single game is so crucial. I mean, you see the stats. It's amazing the difference between starting off the first three games 0-2, 1-1-2-1 in terms of the history of making the playoffs. And I know they added an extra team to make the playoffs. But it, the point is, every single game is so important to whether a team makes the playoffs or not. I just don't understand why they, they keep sticking with this and – it's compounded by what's going on this year and with college football and the availability to move that game to Friday or Saturday night. There's not just much competition anymore. I just don't don't understand it. I think the fantasy community would love it. I think the NFL people would love it. Uh, the players would love it. I just it's like they they're they, in some regards they're stubborn for the sake of being stubborn and you know like I said I don't get it but. It is what it is, and all we could do is handicap the games and players and analysis based on when they play the game. So that's what we'll do on Thursday. All right, fantastic, Wiz. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk then and uh, wish everybody uh, well. And, again, keep an eye out there because things are changing. Make sure you're paying attention to your waiver wire preparation, doing that sort of stuff. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, lots of fun. Keep listening. Going to try and help you the whole way through. Wiz, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You do the same.